brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to you two. Great to be with you. Let's welcome to the guys joining us in Cafe Church, Leicester, London Online. Great, great to be with you today. Great to be able to share with you part two of this series, looking at the book of 1 Thessalonians entitled Unstoppable. And today we're going to be looking at the subject of God's unstoppable truth. Uh, for those of you who are around recently and heard the, the first message in the series, I trust you were encouraged and inspired by some of the stories that are starting to emerge from here within Kingsgate of people who are saying, in spite of whatever the circumstances are, I am unstoppable, not because of who I am, but because of who God is. Just Here's three of them that we've had just in this week. Here we go. Number one says, in spite of fear, I am unstoppable. The second one, in spite of depression, I am unstoppable. Third one, in spite of self-doubt, I am unstoppable. Isn't that wonderful? Right in the midst of everyday, challenging, normal circumstances, we have a God who is interested in you and wants to make you unstoppable. 
And I, I really believe today, by the, the end of our time together, that more of you will be able to fill out those cards, know what your word is in the middle of it, in spite of, and be able to say, because of who God is, I am unstoppable. But I, I want to, to start today with something of a confession, that there's a kind of one area of my life where, for a season, I felt anything but unstoppable and actually quite stoppable. Um, some of you will know one of my passions in life is, is cycling, particularly riding on a tandem. And kind of ju just to prove that to you, here's a, a photograph of myself and my wife wearing our beautiful Lycra gear and with our, our tandem. I'm glad to see you approve of people in Lycra. Um, now, I, I don't show you that photo only to, to show off how good looking we are, uh, but because there's a key lesson that I think we've been learning from tandem riding. Now, when we first started, I don't know, probably about eight or nine years ago, to be honest with you, um, I reckon we did it so that my wife could keep up with me. Um, <laughs> there were times when I was convinced she was sat on the back, kind of painting her nails and looking around at the beautiful scenery. As people called out, Oi, mate, she ain't working on the back there. I'm sure they were right. And yeah, about 18 months ago, there was a, a change took place where my wife, who'd been riding her own bike, had got these new pedals pedals she had are called M MTB, I think, and they look something like this. Now, those of you non-cyclists will be like, well, what's, what's so special about those pedals? Now, the thing about these, if you look carefully, is they've got double the power of a, a normal pedal, in that you can both push down and you get a force pulling up. And it was kind of like the energy and power was already there, but as my wife started to both push down and pull up, it was like there was a, a new power operating in our cycling. It felt like we became unstoppable. Mountains became molehills. Okay, this is Lincolnshire, so it's probably molehills became flat ground. But you get the idea. We could carry more weight. We could go further. We could go past cars and lorries and aeroplanes. Not really, but you get the idea. We felt like there was a new power at work. Now, here's the thing. The key was there was a double motion of power that was taking place, both a push down and a pull up. Now, as we come to look at these uh, Christians at the, in the city of Thessalonica, we see there is a, a double thing going on in their lives. If you like, a double flow of the power of God's truth in their life. If you look carefully, there are two things going on. And the, this passage is teaching us there should be two things about God's truth. We want to be those who, first of all, are receiving God's truth into our life. In a moment, we're going to look at how the Thessalonians were a brilliant example of how even today we can learn to receive the power of God's truth. But actually, then you look and you see Paul is a great example of the second movement, that sense of don't let the truth just be received. Let God's truth now be given away to other people. As we look at this passage, you see this is one of the keys to becoming unstoppable. Now, when I say God's truth, what do I mean? Just to kind of give you a little bit of, of uh, caveat for the, the, the talk. So every time I say that, you know what I'm talking about. When I say God's truth, what I mean is the good news that God loves you, that Jesus died on the cross for you and I to be forgiven, to be able to come into a living, dynamic relationship with God. And through the cross and the resurrection, the Father has released to you everything that we need to be able to live life on earth and enjoy eternity into heaven. How many of you want a bit more of that? Well, that, that's exactly what this book is about here. And I, I want to talk about two main things. 
Okay, for those of you who are taking notes, I want to talk about number one, how can we be those who receive the power of God's Word into our life? And I'm going to give you two practical ways in which we can do that. But then secondly, we're going to talk about how can we be like Paul, those who share God's truth with other people? And I'm going to give you three practical ways in which we can share God's truth too. So as we look at this passage, in order to be unstoppable, the first thing that you and I need to do is we need to welcome God's truth. Now that's what we see with this, these brand new Christians in Thessalonica. Now I don't know what, how you, when you receive God's truth, how you receive it. You know, when you're sitting in church and you hear a message or you hear the Bible read or you're on your own at home, I, I wonder how you think about what is, what is written here and how should I apply it? Because I think sometimes we can imagine that the, the Thessalonians were kind of, they were in a city where everybody loved Jesus and they were walking around in their cheesecloth t-shirts and they were wearing flip-flops and it was all nice and easy. But actually it isn't at all. They were brand new Christians in a society that was incredibly hostile towards the Christian faith where there were other philosophies around. And actually, to live your life according to God's truth was to put yourself in a position of persecution and opposition. And yet, these brand new Christians, that's exactly what they chose to do. Now, I want to share with us then two ways in which, like them, we can welcome God's truth into our lives. It is the first way. Number one, or letter A, take God at His word. Okay, when you look at these Thessalonians, the first thing they clearly did was they took God at his word. Just listen to how Paul says it in verse 13 in the Amplified, he says this. He says, you welcomed it, God's truth, not as the word of mere men, but as it truly is the word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe, exercising its inherent supernatural power in those of faith. In other words, how, how did they receive this truth? They received it as coming from God himself. They weren't saying, oh, here's a few nice ideas to live a slightly better life. Here's a few seven ways to live a slightly easier existence. No, they were, these are the words of the maker himself, a maker who loves us, who wants the best for our lives. And therefore, we're gonna seek to obey the things that he tells us to do, and we're going to live according to his word. But there, there was a second sense here as well. I don't know if you, you pick that up here from, from what Paul is saying. These Thessalonians discovered that in God's truth, it's not just a list of ideas to follow. It comes with the power to deliver what he asks of us. Did you see that? What did Paul say? He says, this word is at work in you, exercising its inherent supernatural power in those of faith. In other words, God's word comes, God's truth comes with batteries included. The power is there to be able to do what God's called us to do. So, so the first encouragement to you and me is to take God at his word. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I love stories of how in, through history, God has taken ordinary people. Any, any ordinary people around here? God has taken ordinary people and he's done extraordinary things through them. Uh, one of my heroes of the faith is a guy from Yorkshire called Smith Wigglesworth. He's actually, he was an illiterate Bradford plumber, not a man with the most kind of amazing beginnings in life. And yet, you know, he became, he became unstoppable in terms of the ministry that God gave him. Here's a guy who ended up speaking all across Europe 
into large swathes of, of North America, right down to Australia and New Zealand. And wherever he went, crowds gathered, sometimes in their tens of thousands. Through his teaching and his life, he saw thousands, maybe even millions of people's lives impacted right, right across the globe. He saw some of the most extraordinary miracles take place of, of healing and people being set free from things that they've been living under for many, many years. But here's the thing. What was the secret of this man's life? What was it that caused him to be unstoppable? Well, he took God at his word. This was one of his favorite phrases. He said this. He said, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I love it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Now, does that mean that everything he asked for from God came straight away? No, it didn't. He was a man who himself prayed for healing, saw people heal regularly, but himself was wrestling with physical sickness for many, many years. But he was a man of tremendous tenacity. And he kept coming back and saying, no, no, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Do you know, if, if you and I want to be unstoppable, I want to encourage you, take God at his word. If there's a promise in there, believe that it's for you. Don't, don't just wait and say, it hasn't come to pass. It can't be right. No, go again and say, God, you've got promises over my life. I'm determined to tenaciously believe this is your word. You may even want to take Smith Wigglesworth's little phrase. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Maybe go back to Psalm 23. Wasn't that a, a wonderful four-week series? Maybe you need to go back to some of those scriptures and de declare them again. Get hold of them over your life. And let's be a people who take God at his word. Second thing we see from the life of the Thessalonians. So this is about how we receive God's word. The, the, f the first movement, if you like. How do we receive God's truth into our life? Well, not only do we need to be those who take God at his word, but secondly... We need to put it into practice. So it's very clear from the, the life of these Thessalonians that yes, they took God at his word, but in terms of receiving it, they said, we're going to make changes in our life. We're going to seek to live our lives according to what God calls us to live. You might put it another way. They chose to obey God's word. In fact, listen to how Paul describes how they became. He says, for you brothers and sisters, you became imitators. Okay, now that word imitators doesn't mean they just heard it. It means it made a difference in their lives. It means that they lived every part of their life to the best of their ability and with God's help according to what the teaching they had received. And Paul says, brothers and sisters, you became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. In other words, you so obeyed in the midst of persecution and difficulty, God's word, that Paul can say, I can look at you and say, that's what Christianity looks like. That's what it means to follow God's word and to obey it. He was saying, in effect, you've allowed the word of God to shape who you are. Do you know, the invitation to you and I to become unstoppable in this series, it's not, in many ways, it's not a guarantee. It's actually, to some degree, it's determined by how much you and I taking God at his word, but then say, now I'm going to put your word into practice. I'm actually going to take the promises. I'm going to trust them. If there's an area of my life that you're calling me to obey in, I'm going to obey it because it's your word. And I don't want to put it into practice. And I want to encourage you, Kingsgate. Do you know what? One of, one of the ways that we become stoppable is by choosing to step out of the things that God has called us to in his word. 
But one of the ways we become unstoppable is by saying, God, whatever you say, whatever you call me to, I'm going to do it, even if it, if it requires cost and challenge of me. You know, in my, around uh, about 30 years ago or so, I, I felt God calling me to become a teacher. Um, and for me, putting God's word into practice wasn't just about uh, being good and being nice. It was seeking to follow his call upon my life. Now, I want to tell you there were times when I had to make significant choices to obey God's call to become a secondary school teacher. Okay? There were a lot of in spite ofs in my way. I can remember I felt, okay, called to be a teacher in spite of nasty inspectors who come to assess your lessons, in spite of having to write reports, in spite of interesting parents at times, in spite of unruly children, in spite of fears within and fears without. And you know, there was one thing that sustained me more than anything for staying on track, and that was the Word of God. For me, it was how, how do you stay on track? How do you obey God's Word? You hear what it says, and then you go and do it. For me, my obedience was going back to school. <laughs> there were lots of times when I thought, God, I want to quit. I feel, I didn't use these words, but I felt so stoppable. But what kept me going was the Word of God. I want, I want to encourage you today. Whatever your circumstances are, God has a promise for your life. And with that promise comes not just, it's not a list of laws. This is what you must do, although there is some of that. But with every single command comes the grace to deliver on that promise. It's almost like as you receive that. For me, I, I would go to school with Psalm 18 ringing in my ears. Okay? There are parts of Psalm 18 where basically David the psalmist is declaring, my God turns my darkness into light. And I would tell you, it felt like darkness at times. My God turns my darkness into light. He gives me strength. He gives me the power, my God, to run against a troop, to leap over a wall. There's a bit, it says, you're training my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. How many of you could do with a bit of that? It's all in the Word. Can I encourage you, whatever your circumstances are, whatever is your in spite of, there is a scripture somewhere in the Bible for you to get a hold of. And as you get that into your system and do it consistently, as Paul said, supernatural inherent power comes to work and exercise its power within you all of the time. We, we want to be a people, don't we? Come on. Who are saying, let's be those who receive God's word, who welcome it into our life. Now, I said at the beginning, as you look at this passage, we see kind of a double movement. If you want to be unstoppable, the first thing is receive, welcome God's truth into your life. Let, let's be those who take God at his word and then who put his word into practice. But actually, if you, if you look at this passage carefully, there's a second thing to look at about God's truth. And it's almost like there's a, a double movement here. There's a, if you want to be unstoppable, yes, let's be people who are receiving God's truth. But then, secondly, let's be those who go and share God's truth. Let's not be those who keep it to ourselves, but let's go again and release what God's given to, to us. Now, I, I don't know what's the most significant kind of demonstration of physical power that you, you've ever seen. I think one for me was uh, when I visited my brother who lives in Scotland, and he, he's an engineer. He works on massive turbines. And his role is to service, engineer, uh, service engineers, service <laughs> turbines that... Uh, and what they do is they take the power of water and they turn it into electricity. 
Now, when you go there, you see these enormous reservoirs full of water. You, you know it rains a lot in Scotland. Okay, you know, there's a lot of water there, okay? And they channel that water into a huge reservoir. Now, when you look at those reservoirs, they're full of probably millions of gallons of water. But it's very peaceful. You don't kind of look at that and think, well, there's a lot of power there. Then you go underground. And what you find is, is they've built the reservoir, so there's a channel through which these millions, literally millions of gallons of water pour down through this channel. They pour into these turbines. The turbines turn and they turn the power of the water into electricity. So that all across Scotland, they can have power, they can have light. Aren't you glad Scotland's got light? Life, they can cook, they can enjoy. David Robertson's particularly pleased about that. Even Glasgow can get its own power in there. Why? Some of it's because of that hydroelectric power. Now here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with the power of God's truth. There is a reservoir of God's truth. It's healing for the broken. There's direction for the lost. Whatever your circumstances are, there is an ocean of God's goodness that he wants to pour into your life, but he wants to pour it through your life. It's not enough for you and I to be people who just receive God's truth. We want to be those who become like that turbine. God, pour your truth into me so that I can then release that truth to other people, sharing that truth. What we're going to look at for a moment is how Paul, who's the writer of this letter, he's someone who is brilliant at sharing God's truth. And I want to share with you three practical ways in which you and I can become more effective at sharing God's truth. So, so here's the, the first way. Almost like, th think of this as a channel through which the life of God, the truth of God can flow through you to people in your world. Let's be those who share God's truth, first of all, with persistence. You know, I, I don't know if you've, anybody ever been discouraged or you felt rejected or you felt frustrated. You, you've been seeking to share God's truth with other people. Could be people within church, within the family of the church. Could be people outside of the church. And you've just got frustrated, you've got rejected, you've got discouraged. Anyone, anyone ever experienced that? Yeah, my guess would be every one of us has experienced that kind of opposition. Well, well listen to what Paul says. He says, We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. Okay, you remember that Paul, when he turns up at Thessalonica, it's on the background of, of having been in this city, Philippi, where what, what happened to him is he says, suffering and being treated outrageously. What does he mean? He means he got imprisoned. He got thrown in jail for sharing God's truth. And worse than that, he then experienced an incredibly painful, would have, would have probably ended up in broken limbs, physical beating. Okay? He knew what it was to experience rejection and problems. He says, but he says, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. Now, how many of you think you could understand if Paul was like, that was hard in Philippi, time for a rest. Okay, he turns up at Thessalonica where he knows, share the gospel, share the good news about Jesus, and I'm in for a time of more persecution, more difficulty, more rejection. How many think it'd be pretty understandable to say, keep your mouth shut, Paul? Okay, I think many of us would be like that. Here's the thing, for Paul, and I believe for us true, the good news that you and I have is so important. People in our cities so need to hear, God is good, 
God loves them. Jesus went to the cross to die for them. He, he extends to us an invitation of grace and peace and mercy. It's such an important message that we've been given. We cannot allow rejection, discouragement, frustration to close up our mouths. We can't afford to let those things stop us from carrying on speaking about the goodness of our God. As I was preparing for this message, I felt very strongly God saying that there are some of us today who in a sense, you've almost, you've stopped speaking about God, almost like there's a piece of tape over your mouth because of rejection, because of discouragement, because of frustration. And I sense the Spirit of God saying to you again, get up again. Will you go again? Will you let that reservoir of truth that's changing your life become a channel of love and power and grace to other people? Almost like God is saying, come on, let's go again. Let's get up again. Now, how do you do that? Is it by just trying harder? Well, no, it's not. Notice what Paul said. He said, no, it's not about that. He said, with the help of God. Okay, you're not on your own. I want to encourage you today. Why not make today a day when you go back to God and you say, God, I give you the rejection I've had. I give you the frustration I have. I give you the discouragement I had. And I want to go again. God, give me courage. Give me courage in the workplace. Give me courage with my friends. Give me courage with my family to be someone who speaks about you. Now, please hear me. This is not a please go and be irritating. Okay, it's not a go and offend people because persistence has got another angle to it. It's more, no, just go again with grace, not shoving things down people's mouths when they're not interested, but with a sense of every time, God, you give me opportunity and I sense you're leading, I'm going to go again. I really believe God is going to open people's mouths today in Jesus' name. So, thinking about that second movement, how we're going to share God's truth with other people. Let's be those who go with persistence. But then let's also, what else do we see in Paul? We see, let's be those who go with integrity. With integrity. You know, Paul makes it really clear in this passage that he was determined there will be nothing about him and his life that will be a hindrance to his sharing the good news about Jesus, to sharing the truth about who God is. He knew that the life of the messenger was as important as the lips of the messenger. The two need to be in sync. You, you see, he says, I didn't come with flattery. I haven't come with manipulation. I haven't come to deceive you. I've come to give you the pure, unadulterated word and truth of God. Just listen to what he says in verse 10. I love this. He says, you are witnesses. And so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. Now, I wonder if you'd agree with me today that we live in a fairly suspicious society where people around us generally are pretty kind of cynical, suspicious of anything, particularly something where the, the message we're declaring, which is a message of good news, freedom, and liberty. And to some degree, you can understand why people are suspicious. You know, I don't know if you've ever had the situation of going to buy a product which offers something, and when you buy it, it kind of doesn't quite match up to the experience that you get. I, mean, I don't know about you, but during this election campaign, I'm wanting to find out the substance, not just the promises. I want to know, can you deliver on the things that you're promising? Just a bit of a silly example, but uh, last year, I, I brought a new pair of trousers. You'd be impressed to know. Now, I bought 25 pounds they cost me from Marks and Spencers. But on the label, how about this? On the label, it promised me climate control. 
I was like, wow, 25 quid, and I get to control all the forces of the North Atlantic weather system. Like, for 25 quid, how cool can that be? Now, I've got to say, I was disappointed, okay? Nothing has shifted, as far as I can tell, in the weather system, not even in Yorkshire. You can find, can't you, there's an integrity gap between what's promised and what's actually on the ground. And I, I want to say to us, we want to make sure, don't we, that we're people who are living lives of integrity. That integrity it's almost like when I, I fail with my friends and neighbours to live a life that's when it's different from what I'm saying, it's almost like all that water in the reservoir starts to leak away and the things I'm saying out of my mouth lose some of their power. Now, I told you a moment ago about that, that first year being a, a trainee teacher. At the end of that year, I, I received a letter from one of the other students who were on that course. Now, for those of you who don't know what a letter is, it's a, a piece of paper where you take a pen uh, old-fashioned stuff, and you, you write on it with handwriting. Then you put it in a nice little cosy pocket. You put a little stamp on it. You put it in a magic red box, and it appears in somebody else's house a few days later. That's a wonderful thing. I received this letter from somebody else on the course. There were two things on it. The first was a bit scary. <laughs> they literally said, during this last year, I've been watching you. <laughs> I know you're a Christian, and I was watching you. It's scary. People are watching. They want to know, is there integrity between what we say and who we are? Second thing was a bit more encouraging. They said, and here's the thing. I noticed that you've got peace and I want the peace that you've got. Now, here's the thing. It was the least peaceful year of my life. As I look back, it was a miracle to me that anyone could look at me in my trainee teaching year and think you were full of peace. Here's the thing. What we don't realise is that you are carriers of the peace and the presence of the King. And when you do your best to live a life of integrity, there was enough, enough resonance. Okay, I wasn't perfect, for sure. But there was enough resonance between what I was saying and who I was for them to say, I want what you've got. When it comes to sharing God's truth, I want to challenge us. Who we are is as important as what we say. Uh, one anonymous poet has put it like this. He says, you are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the things that you do and the words that you say. People hear what you say and watch what you do, and so what is the gospel according to you? So the first, first two practical ways in which we can be sharing God's truth with other people. Let's do it with persistence. Let's do it with integrity. But third, as we share God's truth with other people, let's do it with love. Do you know, if I only had one thing to say to you today, this will be it. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Do you know, the, the, the truth, God's truth, when it comes to sharing God's truth, it's not about a list of don'ts and do's. It's actually about an invitation into a relationship with a good God who wants to bless you, who's full of love and goodness and kindness and grace. And how are people going to know God is like that? Through you and me. Listen to what Paul says. I feel deeply challenged. When I listen to how Paul describes himself amongst people, he says this. He says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Wow. How does Paul describe how he felt about the people around him? He says, I cared for you. I'm interested in your well-being. 
I'm interested in what troubles you, what makes you afraid. I'm interested in your, your sickness and your anxieties and your insecurities. He's saying, I cared for them. It bothered me. It moved me. And that word love is that sense of, and I want to do the best for you in practical ways. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, this strong driving leader to say, and we were like nursing mothers among you, caring and nurturing for people. I don't know about you, I find that really challenging. But there's a sense right in the midst of this. How, how does the ocean of God's truth become powerful through us? I think more than anything, when we learn to love people, as Paul is demonstrating here. And it's about getting practical. It's about serving and meeting the needs of people around us. I'll, I'll never forget the time when uh, I was in London as, as part of a team over a period of time who was, was seeking to show something of the truth of the love of God, particularly to, in the red light district in Soho, the middle of, of London. And what, one Christmas, we decided we'd go out, out as a group and we'd just give away free glasses of wine and free mince pies to the girls who were, were working there. Now, I'll, I'll never forget, as we walked down the road, one of those girls suddenly came kind of almost running after us, and she was really angry. And I was like, oh, gosh, she obviously likes a Chardonnay, and we're, we've given her a Pinot Grigio, trouble coming our way. But she, she was really cross. When she got up to us, she said, I cannot accept this gift. I have to give you money. And we said, we, 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 can't, we can't accept your money. And she said, why not? I have never received, I've never not paid for something that I've received. And we said, we want you to know that God loves you unconditionally with no strings attached. Do you know, in that moment, as we said that, her, her whole demeanor just turned. She went from anger and suddenly she just started crying in front of us. And what she said was, nobody has ever given me anything for free. I've had to work for every single thing that I've had in life. You think, Amazing, a glass of wine, a free glass of wine and a free mince pie communicated to her more than any words could ever have done. God loves you. He loves you unconditionally. And more than that, he loves you in a costly manner. You may, you may never have heard that. You may never know that. Never come to know that to this point. God loves you unconditionally. God loves you with no strings attached. And he wants to bless you. He wants to give you a purpose and a future. How many of you know we are surrounded by people who don't know God loves them? Who think that Christianity is about a bunch of rules. And it's not. It's about a relationship with a good God who wants to bless them. Do you know, I, I, I'm so encouraged that we, we, we are starting to see, particularly in Peterborough and a little bit also in, in Cambridge and Leicester, where people are starting to say, if you've got a need, go to church. I love it. But I think we've got a long way to go yet before everybody in our cities at their moment of need would say, where should I go? Go to church. Why? Because you find acceptance. We want to say as a church, anybody is welcome in our church. Whatever your background, whatever your situation, you're welcome here. Why? Because we know the one who loved us unconditionally. And we want other people to know there's a God who loves unconditionally. How will people know that? Sometimes through our words, 
but primarily through simple, practical acts of love. I, I want to I challenge us, Kingsgate. Let's be, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself here as much as anyone. Let's be those who are consistently looking to serve people around us in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our families, with simple, practical acts of unconditional love. You know, that's why we're doing I Love My City. Not because we're bored, not because we're thinking, what can we do on a Saturday? But because we want to saturate our cities with the love of God. I want to encourage you, please, if you can, sign up, join in, in your city, here in Peterborough, in Cambridge, in Leicester, and let's do all we can to be those through whom that wonderful reservoir of the love of God that we've received can be released out to other people, sharing the truth of our God. As I, as I bring this message to a close, I wonder if you just think with me for a moment. I wonder if I was to give you a card right now, and in spite of an, an, an I am unstoppable card, I wonder what you'd write next to the in spite of in there. Might be a big thing. Might be something you've been wrestling with for a while. Might be something that's just happened in the last 24 hours. And I want to tell you, God is able to make you unstoppable in the midst of that circumstances. And why not make a decision right now to say, I am going to be someone who first of all welcomes God's truth into my life. Why not say, I'm going to be someone who does that first movement. I'm going to take God at his word and then whatever the cost, whatever he asks me to do, I'm going to go and do it. Let's be people who are welcoming God's truth. But then secondly, why not make a decision today that says, I'm going to be someone who shares God's truth. I'm going to do that with my friends, my family, my neighbours, in church and out of church. But I'm going to do it with persistence. I'm going to do it with integrity. And I'm going to do it first and foremost with love. Imagine what God might do through you, through me, through us as a church. If we as a church, we can be those who individually and collectively are consistently doing that two movement thing in our lives. God, we welcome your truth into our life. And now, Every day we go and we look to share that truth with other people. Join with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we are a people who have received your truth into our lives. We thank you for the truth that you've sent Jesus to die for us and to give us a new start and that you want to supply our every need. And Father, we make a fresh decision today to be those who increasingly welcome your truth into our lives. You're going to take your word as it is and we're going to go and put your word into practice. And Father, we pray too, would you put us in circumstances this week, in the coming weeks and months, where the truth of who you are can flow through us to many other people. We pray all of that, Father, in the mighty name of King Jesus. If you agree with that, say aloud, Amen.